there's a nimbleness in being able to respond to the social issues of the time and not getting stuck in set identities or set mm. set things like we can be responsive so i mean for example we're looking at work centered around domestic violence in the coming years mm. um as part of the new leadership and that's really exciting in terms of it's something that we've been very aware of that needs to be addressed but there's like it's a hot topic right now and it is mm. something that we can give more attention to and and spotlight with the skills we have you're listening to small but mighty the podcast of the small Nonprofits alliance the online hub for australia's small charities Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Small But Mighty. My name is Kirsty Wallet, and I'm a co-founder of the Small Nonprofits Alliance. I've recently had the pleasure of talking to one of our members of the Alliance, Ren from Act Now Theatre, a socially conscious theatre company based in Adelaide. At the time of our chat, Ren was the executive director and co-CEO of Act Now, and they've been kind enough to share their insights into leading a small nonprofit at a grassroots level. ACT Now works to create social change through interactive theatre performances, and both the organisation's profile and funding has risen significantly in the past few years in the context of the Black Lives Matter movement, issues of gender equality and cultural diversity. Ren shares their experience as a CEO of a small organisation, their advice on diversity in leadership, and the importance of risk-taking in the work that small nonprofits do. So welcome, Ren. We are so honoured, really, to have you here on the Small But Mighty podcast for nonprofits. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here to talk to you today, Kirsty. So before we start, uh, no acknowledgement is really important to your organisation and it is to us too at the Alliance. Um, so I wanted to acknowledge that we're talking here in the spirit of education and acceptance and I'll acknowledge the Bundjalung people on whose unceded land I am here today doing this interview. And I'd like to acknowledge that um, I'm coming to you from unceded Ghana country or Ghana Yurta. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. And um, as a white migrant living on stolen land, um, I'm working hard to try and pay the rent. Um, I'd also like to pay my respects to elders past, present and future emerging leaders. So, Ren, can you tell us a little bit about the organisation Act Now Theatre, a little bit about the mission and the communities that you support there in Adelaide? Sure. So, Act Now is a 14-year-old theatre company based on Ghana Yurta um, in Adelaide, South Australia. Um, We are a socially conscious theatre company that uh, looks to uh, create social change through interactive theatre performances, which teach people agency to intervene in in situations that they wouldn't normally feel comfortable in. That's the main part of our work. Um, uh, Our vision is the democratisation of storytelling, and um, that is much broader than um, the the interactive theatre. We work predominantly with First Nations, culturally and linguistically diverse or BIPOC people and queer folks um, to um, give them first access points into the arts um, for free, give them training in theatre and other performing arts and introduce them to the industry in a safe way um, and provide pathways for them uh, from those grassroots ways um, through to carving out their own careers so that we can diversify the representation on stages uh, around 
South Australia and ultimately the country because at the moment uh, that that representation is severely lacking both on stages and and in behind the scenes in arts management and production and all of those kind of things. So as you said, the organisation has been around for 14 years, but really these issues of talking about racism, about gender equality, about um, educating the broader community around acceptance, those things are really, dare I say it, more in the forefront in the past couple of years. So how's that impacted the work that you do and the workload that you have? That's a big question. Um, uh, We've obviously been doing a lot of work in those spaces uh, for a long time now. Um, We're probably one of the leading companies in South Australia to work in those communities um, in a... Successful isn't the right word, I think, in... um, in safe ways and in consultative mm. ways and in um, ways that kind of are very different to what's happening um, in pract- uh, in the rest of the industry. Mm. So uh, one of the big things we've noticed, especially at scenes as we've kind of gone from being um, uh, on annual funding to multi-year funding to multi-year funding from both, uh, state and federal levels, um, our profile has has risen quite dramatically, and so now we're finding that people are coming to us quite a lot more for uh, to lean on our experience and expertise in working with those communities, um, which is great to see that that's shifting in the industry. But it's been a long, hard fight for us prior mm. to that. So um, it's been interesting navigating that with other companies and um, punching up essentially to mm. kind of uh, create those safer spaces, um, to create those opportunities and to educate the other organisations that we partner or collaborate with. Um, so that's been a big part of our work and particularly in the wake of Black Lives Matter movement that happened in the US mm. um, and the equivalent movement in um, Australia, particularly around Indigenous deaths in custody or Aboriginal deaths in custody, Um, you know, obviously that has has had major impact on a lot of the communities that we work with. So, Mm. again, this year um, we've had a change of leadership in the organisation. We now have Yasmin Garibu and myself leading the organisation and one of the big things we've done this year is to step back and consult with all of our communities about Mm. um, what it is that they want and need and so that we can identify the directions of things that are going to be useful for them, not just in terms of building their own arts communities but also in terms of the kind of things they want to concentrate on. especially given that with those politicised identities, um, often there's an expectation that work is going to be around that and it's often a very simple down-the-line understanding of it when actually there's a multiplicity of experience and um, it doesn't have to be about whether you're queer or you're you're black or you're Indigenous or you're... um, Muslim or any of those things like actually the interesting thing is the stories at the heart that they want to tell Mm. and I guess now a lot of what we do is provide scaffolding for people to find their own voices and bring those voices to the table and support them in in bringing those voices to the table rather than making work for them if that Mm. makes sense which we see in a lot of the rest of the industry. Yeah. Um, so 
from what you've said there, you like it to be quite organic, the work that you do, I suppose, and led by the communities that you're serving. Can you give me an example for someone who hasn't heard of your work before? I mean, I've looked on the website and seen some of the um, programs, but what's an example of one recently where um, you've been, I suppose, educating and connecting with people on a particular issue? Yeah, sure. So this year we premiered a new work called Juma or Friday Prayers. Um, it, it's a work about the multiplicity of experiences of being um, a Muslim person, um, and it kind of centres around. It, it's it's um, it's a short devised play that's twenty minutes, bookended by workshops with. It's aimed at high school students, but it, it's relevant for adults as well. And those workshops kind of like um, open the conversation about things that people might have fear about or not understand or have barriers to asking questions about um, Islam as a faith. And then there's the play, which looks at um, three siblings, one of whom dies in an accident quite upfront. I'm not no spoilers here um and the uh, the ramifications of that on the siblings past that and how they kind of dealt with that in their own ways um and then there's discussion after the performance about that and that is a work that has been devised by an all-Muslim uh, team, so writers, two writers, uh, Manal Yunus and Lur Al-Gharabi, um, and Yasmin Garibu has directed this, um, and we've had multiple cast members across the development. And it was a, a, a development that took two years, and it was in consultation with communities, and we were working closely with um, several different arms of the uh, Muslim community in South Australia, as well as um, partnering with SITE, which is the Centre for Islamic Thought and Education. And alongside that, we're providing a educational resource pack that can go to the schools. Um, and we're also creating digital elements um, online for um, further education and not just links to sites that tell you mm. about stuff, but like box pops with the cast and with the writers and um kind of doing a uh, spoken word dictionary of um, Islamic terms. So um, that's probably a good example. And, yeah, it, it takes, you know, that was piloted. We took it into schools to see what worked and what didn't work. Um, and it is a very long and iterative process to get there. But I think that that's the difference between us and some other, some of the more traditional theatre companies is that our work actually is does take that, very deep consultative long-term piloting mm. testing method to make sure that we're um, hitting the nail on the head. Mm. I mean, it sounds like really important work, and I don't say that flippantly, but also very intensive work, and you are mm. a small non-profit and um as you said you've been punching up a little bit and you have more funding in recent years but what do you think makes Act Now Theatre a small but mighty organisation? Um, that we don't shy away from the hard topics, um, that we will admit when we're wrong and we'll work with people to find the right solutions, um, that um, we are seeing that diversification start to flow through now. We've had, um, we can see that there have been waves of, uh, of um, young artists come through and that first major wave is now becoming like early career 
or emerging career and starting to make their own work without us and seeing them on stages in the independent theatre scene. So we are having that impact and it can be seen. Um, and that's exactly what we want. I think another strength is that as we're a social social justice-based organisation, whilst we're concentrating on First Nations, BIPOC and, and um, queer folks at the moment, um, there's a nimbleness in being able to respond to the social issues of the time and not getting stuck in... Um, uh, not getting caught in um, set identities or set mm. set things. Like, we can be responsive. So, I mean, for example, we're looking at um, work centred around domestic violence in the coming years mm. um, as part of the new leadership, and that's really exciting in terms of it's something that we've been very aware of that needs to be addressed, but there's, like, it's a hot topic right now and it is mm. something that we can give more attention to and and spotlight with the skills we have. So I think that nimbleness is really important in, in the future of the company. What would your top piece of advice be for leaders of other small non-profits? You're obviously in the middle of a lot of change and growth and mm. you're trying to implement that. Um, diversity. Diversity is amazing um it brings many voices to the table it brings different brains and problem solving and approaches um also consult and don't just listen listen actively and be responsive and take that risk like like it's really important the the returns you get and the self-determination you can facilitate out of that is incredible. So, yeah, it's really I love important. that. Yeah, I think we, we always ask and we talk a lot about leadership on the podcast and we always ask the leaders of these organisations to give us advice. And I have never heard risk talked about, but I think that's a really valid point is that um, you do have that ability to take probably more risks as a smaller organisation. Uh, yeah, I think we do. And I think given that our kind of vision is democratising storytelling, sometimes there's a um, people will shy away from politicised things, but mm. given that is our the way we operate, um, that risk is different for us. It's a risk mm. if we don't actually engage in those kind of conversations mm. um, because we won't be relevant and we won't be serving the communities that, um, that are our community. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ren, um, in terms of your own career and leadership, was there something that um, inspired you in your own life to work in the nonprofit space and particularly in this area? Yeah. So, um, I've always had a very strong kind of activist streak in me even even as a small child I was a very I was very clearly justice driven and a feminist before I knew what a feminist was mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that um, I've tried working in more corporate spaces and my heart is not as cutthroat as that um, I can do it but I don't enjoy it and I feel really driven working in this space where I am right now to make the changes that I didn't have 
as a young person growing up, like I didn't know I could do arts management, but I kind of fell into this in a very strange way and it was never presented to me as a career option. Mm. Um, And as I became more aware of my own identities, you know, that became even stronger, I guess, and my personal identities and my work work have now intersected in a way that is um, just incredible and I'm very privileged to be in the space where I can do all the things I love um, and champion spaces and safety and um, opportunity for other people. Um, if, if you don't, if you, you uh, I think, I think one of the things is a bit corny, but um, you can't be what you can't see. So I need to be visible for other people to know that, you know, as uh, you can achieve great things, um, even if you can't see it. Like I'm, I'm trying to carve out that space that wasn't given or available to me so that other people can have it. Absolutely. And what do you think it is? I mean, using the arts um, to further social issues isn't anything new, but what do you think it is about the arts that allows that and allows your organisation to do that? Arts is a safe place to have difficult conversations. It's not the real world necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think people have more freedom and are invited in to have more freedom to play and to ask the questions in structured ways that are supportive. Um, And, yeah, those conversations need to be had, but who facilitates them in the day-to-day? And I think arts is a great way. Arts often reflects what's going on at the time and it's a record of what's happening at the time, but it's also part of the conversation moving forward. And um, arts and culture are a key part of identity and I think they're very undervalued in Australia but Mm. I do think that you know it is a way of navigating your own identities and politics and and finding ways to relate to others and theirs without it being confrontational. Mm. I, I think you made a really good point about the arts not being shown as being a career option. And I think that's still the case in a lot of ways. So you talk to a lot of school-aged children um, and young people. What would your advice be for anyone who wants to work in this non-profit space and has an interest in the arts but perhaps didn't think that that was a choice for them? Go out, see as much as you possibly can. Um, I think... Arts opens your brain up to so much stuff. If you've got parents who don't want you to do that, do a double degree um, if you're going to uni or find, you know, arts can be a profession and it can also be, um, you know, amateur. And don't don't exclude it from your life if you feel really passionately about it um, and, and go in there and find out. I've, I've learnt so much more on the job than I ever would have um, inside um, a degree um, and not having a degree in arts doesn't necessarily mean you can't work in the arts either. Like mm. my undergrad was in classical history and was definitely not, you know, everyone pegged me as a teacher from when I was like two years old. Yeah. So um, you don't have to be what people tell you. You can follow your heart. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Ren, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? We really do like to highlight our members um, when we do these sorts of interviews. So is there anything else you'd like to share about the work that your organisation does? I think there was, a, I was going to make a point earlier um, in response to that two-bit question. I think if 
someone starting up their own company, you need you're not um, a person on an island. You need a community around you to do that, and connection is really important. And acknowledging your weaknesses, strengths, and leaning on other people who have leadership in those areas or skills in their areas isn't doesn't make you weaker. It makes you a a, um, a good resource coordinator (laughs) Um, and that management is one thing and leadership is another and leadership is actually where you can make the change I think that's some really important advice advice there thank you Ren Um, and thank you so much for um, joining us today on the podcast and talking about the work that you do Um, in our episode notes today we'll link to your website so that people can see and I don't mean to be glib here but some of the incredible work that you do I think it's really important for um, people of um, all across across all of our communities in Australia to be aware of the work that you do and to watch it and as you said it's a safe space to learn about and have difficult conversations and I think it's um, really important the work you're doing so thank you. No thank you thank you for having us and thanks for um, this platform to share.